hey guys, welcome back for another episode of Life After Sport. And this one is going to be really, really exciting. I actually have an incredible guest here with, quite simply, shitload of experience, loads of knowledge, uh, and a very, very high level. And I'm really, really pumped to make sure that we're actually going to be bringing a lot of the real stuff to each and every one of you listeners right now. So, um, yeah, Ed, without further ado, first of all, thank you so much for giving up your time to come on to this. And I'm just going to run straight in with the intro. Like, who are you and what do you do? Uh, thanks, Ian. And thanks for having me. Um, I've, I've enjoyed the, the episodes of the podcast that I've listened to so far. So it's great to be asked to be on. Um, so, yeah, look, I'm Ed Slattery, an athletic performance coach with the Irish men and women's seven rugby teams. Um, I've been with the, with the RFU now for about just under five years. So, I've primarily worked in the sevens and with the national women's team as well. So, uh, I was with the national women's team for maybe I think four seasons, and I transferred now over to the the national men and women's sevens team, uh, who compete on the World Series. Um, so, Ooh. and unfortunately, like everyone else, at the minute I'm uh, sitting at home in, in lockdown, <laughs> tra- training remotely. Uh, but yeah, that's that's my role at the minute. Nice, dude. That is absolutely incredible. Um, one of the best things I've noticed is like you're still a young fella. Uh, you know, uh, excuse me for saying it, but, you know, just very quickly I got to try and give people a little bit of context as, you know, the amount of commitment, devotion and most definitely experience and knowledge that you have to get to such a high caliber at such a young age. Like Just to give people a little bit more context that this is a man that is pretty fucking committed as a high level coach. So, dude, thank you so, so much again for giving up your time and really appreciate the brief intro. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go straight into the sexy stuff right now with this because I want people to make sure that they're tuning in, they're getting the value and they can take it and get a, a much better understanding as to what it's like being a high level coach at such a, a professional intensity, more or less 24 seven. So dude, I'm just going to go straight in with the first question. I'm just going to ask it. Like, so over the past couple of years, like you've seen a wide variety of talent, um, how can you leverage the development of players faster within the team setting? Yeah, look, the team setting has it has huge positives and a couple of negatives when you're talking about developing individuals because collectively that's what it is. The team is made up of individuals. So while you have to view everything in terms of the team and where we're bringing the overall group, that falls away if you don't address the individuals within it. So... Um, team environment has so many positives to that because if you're if you're a new guy or a new girl coming into a team you know if you're walking in there at 18 years of age potentially looking around you and going oh, oh you know I'm, I'm surrounded by these guys who have five six maybe ten years of playing experience in our case guys who have come through academies with, with provinces or even other professional teams abroad you know and, and you've probably watched them on tv and you've been yeah. to play with them because it's quite nerve-wracking but at the same time, that's a huge well of experience that you get to pull from, you know, and, and it becomes very quickly becomes a case that, you know, if you're a young girl coming into a, a national program, well, then you have the absolute, you know, luxury of pulling someone like a, a Lucy Mulhall or an Amy Lee Murphy Crow and sitting down with them and being able to actually chat through them, with them and say, you know, how, how do I get to your level, you know, so... Similarly, while, while it can be quite nervous for someone to come into a team setting, at the same time, if they, if they kind of come in with their eyes wide open and look around and realize how much they can learn within that setting. Um, but it's, it, it is a balance. You know, you, you don't want that young person obviously hanging off that senior player either. That senior player yeah. has their own job to do as well. Um, so it is a balancing act with that. But again, your job as coach is to try and, and talk them through it and, and guide them through that process as much as you can. Um, and look, you, you get you get all ends of the spectrum. You, you get the guy who comes in and is very quiet and, and within himself and nervous, and just you know you'd nearly forget in a group of twenty five guys in the gym, you'd nearly forget he's there, you know, and, until he yeah. actually him. And then you get the other player who, who maybe wants to do ten more sessions a week because they need to get better, and you, you have to try yeah. and, <laughs> down and say, listen, trust the process. So um, nice. I, I think it's a it's a matter of having a, a set protocol that you're going to follow to to a degree. Um, right. you know, we have kind of minimum standards that we want out of our athletes, and so Good. step one is looking at where they are and how we get them to that that minimum standard. Um, but within that as well, 
just being very, very clued into where they are as a person and their development and, and try and just bring them into the system as, as quickly as we can. Um, Class. You know, and times like this actually are interesting for that around Zoom calls and meetings and, and trying to get the guys together and trying to make sure they have a, a good bond as well, that, that they keep going. Um, and I think if you can kind of get that person into the program and make them feel part of it and, and really get them enjoying it and feel part of the team, um, and then alongside that, make sure they understand that their athletic development is going to take time and that, you know, they can't come in and look at the senior guys and go, well, he squats this much or he runs that fast. Yeah. I'm way off the mark, so I got to do all this extra work. Like, no, no, no. You know, he got there over the last five years. <laughs> yeah. And actually, by the end of this year, you'll, you'll be up there with him close. So, Class. Uh, it, it's that balance of, of bringing them into the team setting, but also dealing with them as an individual. Oh, dude, that, that's awesome. Like Just the way that you're painting everything there as well as, yes, it may be really, really intimidating, like coming up the ranks. But you know, for a lot of people that are going to be listening to this, you know, we've come through under 10s, under 12s, under 14s, playing rugby or hurling, whatever it may be. But then just like you said, you know, you, you come up there, you get to that same standard as might have once been the person that you were looking up to as a child. Then all of a sudden you get starstruck to a degree. Like that can be really, really intimidating and terrifying. So that could possibly cause somebody to like retract back into themselves. But you as a coach, as that mediator, like to be able to leverage to somebody to get them to say, hey, look, it's okay. I know what you're physically capable of doing. I know what you see other people doing. Right now, it's a case of we need to get you to gel with everybody. Just like you said at the start, you're coaching a group of individuals as a team. It's not a case of, you know, one size fits all. So to be able to essentially like diversify, to guide people individually, dude, that, that's an incredible skill in itself. And blatantly, like to be, to be able to do that on your own at a high level is a huge testament. Again, so like just to be able to get, get people to get that little bit more context, you could be coaching 30 to 50 people at any one time. You're coaching 30 to 50 different people as a unit that that's uh it's not easy but no, right to say that it, it, it's definitely it's definitely a challenge and you know especially when you maybe go back to back within sessions and you have very little break between because you know our program is quite unique in that we we run the men and women's programs kind of side by side and so it might be a two-hour block where the men are in for an hour the girls are in for an hour and, and to, to transfer that between with 50 players as you said maybe you know you throw in that you, I, I, you know, I'm responsible mostly for the strength of power within the sevens program. And so if you get that working where you have obviously your individual programs within that and, and everyone follows kind of the same basic outline of a program, but we just tailor it to that individual. So it might be a back squat versus a front squat versus a deadlift, you know, and, and these small variations that go through. But to remember where each athlete was and, and remember that actually last week I looked at his squat, I better check that again. And, and then actually she she hurt her shoulder today in, in contact, so I need to modify her session completely, you know, and it's starting in 60 seconds. I just we have to do that type of thing can be, you know, it can be quite challenging. And, and to finish maybe one session with, with one squad where it's completely focused on, on one training aspect, right? to, to begin with the second squad and have a completely different training focus um, and a completely different focus on that squad and where their mindset is and where they are at in their in their year. Um, or even, you know, the mood of the squad that day could be very different between men and women. So to literally finish one session and start the next with no break um, would be able to switch the mindset, you know, and remember yeah. what, what you need to get out of that second session specifically. Wow. Um, yeah, it, it, can, it can be quite tough and it can be quite busy. Um, but, you know, I, I like it. And actually, it's reminded me during this uh, kind of COVID period that, you know, that business and that structure is, is something I actually quite enjoy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it suits me to, to a degree. To a degree. Good. No, like that that's that's massive. That that structure, that flip of the switch, that change in the mindset, it's huge. But again, like for you as a coach, the mediator, the you know, the catalyst in the whole thing, to be able to do that, to switch that mindset and the environment for everybody, like again, leveraging that for the development of all of those players in your favor, because, you know, it's your job, it's your duty to get everybody 10 out of 10, 24-7, you know, uh, when it comes to performance. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it can be, it's just reading the group, you know, similar yeah. to yourself when you're dealing with your athletes, you got to read them and see what works for them. And, you know, it might be a, 
it might be a five minute intro to a session um, or it might be a case that I have a, a five minute intro planned and mm. I'm looking at them and they're looking at me as if to say like you know we just had a, the most horrific rugby session an hour ago <laughs> so I just look at them and I go you know right that's the program let's get on with it yeah <laughs> you just gotta you just gotta tailor to that day and, and, and try and put them in the best mood possible for the next hour you know uh, nice no I think that I think that's a class thing as well like you know so many people may not understand that but you know yeah we could talk about auto regulating training yeah I had a really you know high day yesterday today should be a low day well unfortunately sometimes it's not so much that programs can conflict with each other but you may not physically feel up to it hmm. but then again it's the coach's responsibility to say you know, to an extent here tough shit my job is to get you to the very best and we're going to do that. So again, like to be able to, I'm not going to pull the sports psychology card, but you know, to be able to get them in the zone, to get them ready for anything, because you know, as high level athletes, as pros, you're ready for war. To be able to hype that energy up in a gym session, like dude, that, that's absolutely incredible. But again, it's how you do it. And no doubt you're doing it pretty fucking well so far, you know. So awesome, awesome. Dude, I'm just going to slowly transition into the next part of it. Um, love the amount of uh, feedback that you're able to give on that like you know how we can actually leverage player development through the course of an athletic career but I just want to move into the next one there so like what is the biggest difference that you've seen between amateur players and the pros now I want to give people a little bit of an idea to go right this isn't somebody that has only ever worked with professionals Hmm. he has no idea what normal athletes are like no not at all I I think you're going to give a decent intro or a decent bit of information on that but just for a lot of people that are going to be listening, we may come from, technically speaking, an amateur level. Like myself, I was never going to break it any bit higher than an amateur level senior rugby player. But for me, in my head, I was taking everything professionally. And the mindset for me to take something, yes, it was 100% focus driven and goal outcome oriented. But even though I had that professional mentality, I was still an amateur. And I think there's a lot of people that are going to be doing the exact same thing, if not already. But what have you seen like uh, has been the biggest difference between amateur players and the actual pros? Yeah, it's it's a kind of a it's kind of a complicated one because you know it's definitely not black or white. Mm. Maybe sometimes people like to think it is, and, and you know, sometimes it's great to we all read you know our favorite sports biographies or whatever, and we we like to paint this picture of kind of the professionals being that that step above but you know what it, it, it's it's a hard one to differentiate just quite cleanly because as you said you know obviously I've worked with plenty of amateur athletes and I still do you know I'm a, I'm a member of Valley Bones and then there's GA club in Dublin and um, obviously the boys there are, are amateur athletes and but they're some of them not, you know are just as driven and obviously club settings are different you, you get quite a mix um, but you know, I've worked with amateur athletes who are incredibly, incredibly driven, you know, wanting to go through every single detail of their preparation and their training and, and want to get everything absolutely nailed on. And these are guys who who are probably at stages where the, the chance for them to play high-level professional or, or even county-level GA is gone. Um, but they still are fully committed to their craft and look after everything they do. Um, so, you know, the biggest difference probably is and how they can manage their time and, and, and maybe deal with what they're doing. I think there's probably a misconception along amateur athletes that, that professionals, uh, how much they do. You know, and, and an easy way I could give it is I have friends who will text me and say they're struggling to you know, feel faster, feel more powerful, whatever. And these guys are strong. You know, they're, they're, they're strong guys. And I'll ask them what their week looks like. You know, and they'll say, well, I work, obviously I work 9 to 5 Monday to Friday. So I get up at six and I train in the morning from seven to eight and then I work for nine and then I train again in the evening, you know, and I probably do like 10 sessions a week and, you know, and I try and get five gym sessions in a week and I'm like, well, you know, my guys are professional rugby players and they're getting in three gym sessions a week. There's times where we do four, but, you know, and maybe a professional rugby player, even in the 15s game, might do six gym sessions in, in a preseason in a week, six or seven, depending, but realistically in season they're doing you know anywhere from kind of two to three mm. and i'm trying to explain that to my mate who's doing you know, five and six and uh you know and then he's he's running the roads every morning and he's going rugby training and then and what he's missing is 
that he's not working on his skill as a rugby player. And he's, he's, he's trying to do too much. Where actually, if I said to him, you know, you know, if you actually just paired back, went to the gym twice a week, did rugby two or three times a week, and then did maybe, you know, if you have time, you can fit in an extra running session or an off-feed session maybe. Let's, let's, let's take the stress out a little bit and let's go off-feed. This is where you'd improve, you know. And I see the same in GA players. We have, I know plenty of guys who are, you know, phenomenal athletes um, and great GA players. But again, their, their go-to maybe is that I'm going to do an extra running session or I'm going to do an extra gym session. But actually, you know, what you want to see is you want to see the guy who on the day off goes down against the ball wall, you know, or yeah. goes down and kicks some points. And, and that's, I think that's maybe the difference. Professional players are experts at their sport. And, and that's where the extras should go in. Um, they're not all like that. You know what I mean? There, there's plenty of guys <laughs> that I have to kick out of the gym on a regular basis. And there's <laughs> plenty of guys, I'm sure, who are going to go back training with us who are, you know, maybe their Bronco scores aren't where they should be, but their their biceps suddenly have got a couple of inches extra on them. I've no doubt that's going to happen. But yeah. um, I, I think the misconception with amateurs is that they need to really keep, keep gymming, getting bigger, getting stronger, getting fitter. Well, you know, I often say it to lads, it doesn't matter how strong you are if you can't put the ball over the bar. And that's it's very I mean, true. That's probably the biggest difference I see. And and the second is just time management is much easier with a professional player. Um, mm. obviously they get time to rest. You know, they might do two sessions, maybe three sessions a day, and then they get time to put their feet up and relax and, and recover from that. And that's something the amateur athlete doesn't get. Um yeah. and I, I've spoken to teams who are previously pro or sorry, previously amateur that turned professional um, and that was their biggest thing their training volume didn't increase massively but the recovery time went through the roof uh, nice. and more amateur athletes could probably pay attention to that yeah and I think like wow first of all just before I uh, before we move on from that like that's given so much context as to what the amateur versus the pro yes their their work ethic their commitment levels may be basically on par well, by the sounds of it, like the amateur is going to be able to say, I have to train harder because I want to get better. Whereas the pro, yeah, they'll train just as hard, but they'll recover a hundred times harder. And like, yeah, the volume of training may not go up that much in the pro, but the intensity is still up there. Whereas if you're trying to bring that same level of intensity just to get better, but do it like 10, 12 times a week, you're going to burn the candle at both ends. And as well, especially if they're going to be working a full-time job and possibly in some cases, well, they could have a young family. Like these people, oh, I need to get better. I need to wake up at six. I need to go to the gym from seven to eight. And then I'm going to go do a, a speed session then in the evening. And then I'm going to go to the local personal trainer and, you know, do all these extra things. Like It's just the fact that, like from what I'm getting there very quickly, is that the pros understand their body a little bit better. But also, like, you know, if you have to kick people out of the gym, obviously they're like, right, well, I have more energy today than I did yesterday, so I'm going to do more bicep curls in the squat rack. But they still would have access to the likes of yourself. Whereas with the amateur, might just say, right, I just need to work harder. I, that's, that's kind of the things there, but it sounds like I've seen yeah. that firsthand. Whereas, you know, train hard, go balls to wall if you have that mentality, but just make sure that you're recovering harder. Like, yeah, absolutely. And look, there's, there's extremes of both cases. You know, there's, mm. That's not to say everyone's perfect. There's, there's plenty of amateurs who do it right, and there's plenty mm. of professionals who don't do enough training. You know, it is not seem mix, but I think that, as you said, that understanding of, of finding the balance is, is different. Than, and maybe the professional has the benefit of being in an academy system and, and learning since they're maybe mm. 16, you know, where probably similar to yourself working with athletes, you almost have to convince people to see that long game. Mm. So, you know, if you tell someone who's an amateur athlete playing with their local rugby club or GA club, listen, do it this way and come back to me in six months and tell me how you feel, they're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, can, I can put on two kilo and smash them in a preseason next, yeah. month, or two, you know, next month. Uh, but the problem is that six months later, they've probably reverted back or they've burnt out. Yeah. Like uh, having having somebody to to rein you in, like it's so funny. Like my my coach says to me, and you know when you hear something, you're kind of insulted, but then you're like, no, that makes perfect sense. Like he refers to me as being like a bull in a china shop. 
So, and I think this is, this is something every one of us can relate to. It's like some days you just wake up and you're just raring to go for a training session. You're just like, yeah, I'm going to be like a bull in a china shop. Go. I just go hard at it. Whereas what my coach says to me is, yeah, you can do that, but I'm going to treat you like a dog on a lead. So you have a bit of room. You have a bit of that ability to bring that bull in the china shop, but it's my responsibility to pull you back in. And I just thought, did you refer to me as a dog? <laughs> but then it was the analogy behind it. So like to be able to, to go hard at it, but also to have that coach to rein you back in and go, right, you're going too far or you're not going far enough. So I think that, that's a huge, huge thing. I just as you said there, you know, letting somebody go in preseason and saying, come back to me in six months after you've implemented this, this, and this. But it's more the accountability, the knowing that you're going to show up. You're knowing that your coach is going to make you that little bit uncomfortable by asking you the questions that you think you would have gotten away with. Did you do your squats? Yeah, I did. Or get in the, into the squat rack right now. And then it's clearly identified that you didn't do your squats. That's just one example. Yeah, it's, it's knowing the person as well. It goes back to the first question really about the individual because, you know, I have athletes that if I told them that, you know, you give them the smallest instruction and they will, they will implement it to a T, you mm. know. Um, and then you get the other guys who you know that, listen, I, I, I can... I might not have to worry about him being working too hard here. You know, you know, <laughs> yeah. he, he's going to stay in the safe zone. So it goes back to the individual. And, and you got to, you know, you got to bend your own rules to him as well. Like, there's definitely true. There's um, definitely guys I know that do too much work in, in the gym or whatever. And, and no matter what I say to them, they're not going to, they're not going to do any less. You know, if I, they're not, they're not going to do it in front of me. Yeah. Like, go home to their own gym and do it there. Um, <laughs> so then you, you kind of acquiesce and you say, look, I know you're doing extra gym sessions. Mm. So if you're going to do extra gym session, I'm actually going to give them to you. Here, here's, here's two more gym sessions. I don't even want you to do these, but you know what? If you do them and they are focused on just chest and arms and shoulders, fine, do that because that's not going to affect your ability to run for me tomorrow. Yeah. I'd rather maybe do that than go in and do a load of legs and come in tomorrow and not be at the training. So. Yeah. No, dude, that's class. Again, like, you know, bending those rules as long as you're able to say, I bent the rules, so I'm responsible. And that's a huge thing as well as a coach is to be able to put your hand up and go, yeah, I'm responsible for that. But I'm still making sure to improve our relationships so that they can be more honest with me. And again, like, you know, you're, you're strictly in the performance sector, not aesthetics. So if somebody shows up and they're able to say to you, hey, Ed, I'm actually feeling a little bit shot. Well, all right, you know, what did you do yesterday? Yeah, do you know what? I did a lot of extra sprints and squats and stuff. Like for you to be able to say, right, I want you to kind of modify your training a little bit today but I need to monitor you a little bit closer. Like, again, it's about having that open-ended relationship and honesty to be able to put your hand up and go sometimes, like I say this to my clients, put your hand up and tell me when you're acting the bollocks, when you're not doing your workouts, when you're not um, showing up, you know, when your motivation is taking a dip. Again, like, you know, you're that mediator, you're that catalyst to make sure that you're responsible for that player and their outcome and their performance. So, like, dude, that's, that's um, like, I think it's something that's overlooked. Uh, personally, a lot is like the responsibility that's on the coach's shoulders for looking after the players and the athletes all the time. Yeah, and I think the honesty you said is the honesty is, is really important because you know, we monitor a lot. We monitor daily wellness. We monitor, you know, they do the monitoring checks and they come in the morning to us to see how their body is that day. We monitor the GPS load. You know, sometimes the athletes feel like we're trying to catch them out a little bit. And it's like, yeah. you know, it's, I had a, a conversation with someone the other day. It was like, I'm not trying to catch you out. I'm actually, I'm actually just making sure that what you're doing is adequate and mm. that when we return to training, you have trained at a, a certain level that allows us to really integrate you back in pretty quickly. Um, it's not that I'm trying to catch you out. I'm not trying to say you haven't yeah. done enough. I'm actually just trying to make sure it's working and we're getting what we're yeah. So that honesty is important because otherwise people think we're maybe trying to catch them. Yeah. Uh, I look, I'm sure there is coaches out there who <laughs> have used that to catch athletes and catch people, but I think the honesty has to be there. It won't be comfortable with what's going on. Yeah, like it, it's a huge, huge thing. And I love and appreciate that, you know, you're just, again, you're able to be honest about that. But like people need to understand it's your coach's responsibility and obligation and duty to make sure that you're getting the very best as an athlete, as a client, as, as a pro, whatever it may be. It's your coach's responsibility to make sure that you are 10 out of 10 when you need to be 10 out of 10. Uh, honesty is most definitely an unbelievable thing there that people need to bring forward 
So it just just like off that, like given the amount of experience and you know the knowledge and the the honesty and commitment with the players and relationships and stuff like, have you noticed any trends in the latter stages of a playing career? So like a a lot of the people that are going to be listening to this, they will be essentially in their life after sport. So may have taken things very seriously, would have known what uh, training hard is. You know, training was always a big part of my identity with the team. And now I don't have that. Like, have you noticed any bit of like a, a trend in the latter stages? So let's just say like somebody's retirement age is 35. When they get to 33, 34, have you noticed any bit of a, ten, uh, a trend rather in, all right, I'm approaching retirement. Do players take like more of a, re- a leadership role? Or do they kind of subtly pull themselves out of the picture? Or like, what have you seen over the years with that? Yeah, that's a, it's a really interesting one because it's, you know, I, I've seen it probably from a few different perspectives. Um, you see it in, in the kind of amateur athlete in the GA Cup where, you know, they're, they're, they're pushing on and they know that they're probably only, you know, finishing up in the next year or two. Um, I, I can think of one athlete I've worked with for the last three seasons um, who has told me, and, and going into a fourth season now, um, who has told me that the first season I worked with him, he said, that's it, this is my last year. And he's, you know, he, he's still there. Um, but he, you know, he, he loves his club and he loves training with the boys and he loves being competitive. Um, but he also has a family now. And he's quite conscious that he has to go home and look after his family and he doesn't want to pick up a serious injury and kind of have to lie in a bed or lie in a couch for a week because he won't be able to help at home. And he might be, might be able to go to work. So that, that starts to creep in. Um, I've seen it with, with some of our, you know, kind of amateur women's rugby players where they have to start looking at, you know, careers versus rugby and the commitment that it takes um, to sustain that. You know, and the, the women's rugby team put in an absolute monstrous effort to, train hard and be ready for that level of competition so I've seen the balance it takes with them and they might you know have kids and they might have a career and, and it's it's quite a hard balance balancing act and, and even from a sevens point of view players you know sevens is a the young enough game and it's it's slowly getting older but kind of early 30s is kind of tends to be the cut-off age in, in international sevens rugby and um, as players start to pick up you know they, they probably start to put a little bit more focus into their career but the, the balancing act for them then is that they don't want to they don't want that to have any negative effect on their on their sporting um <clears throat> excuse me so they it becomes a, a really careful act of trying to get the most they can out of, out of their sports career and their rugby career but at the same time making sure that they prepare for the future um, yeah i think what you'll see is you'll see that they they're such committed individuals um, and they tend to be very they're your most organized individuals you know, they had their, their day and their week done to a to, to T. Um, and they're very adamant that even though they're starting to put one eye on the future, that won't affect their, their rugby career and their playing career. Yeah. But they're, they're probably your smarter individuals too, around how to manage their body, how to manage their time, you know, make sure they're not doing too much. Um, you know, and I, I've seen some of the older players um, just really pull back on what they do. And they just have a good feeling for for their body, and and maybe they're you know they're smart enough and old enough now at this stage to say, look, I'm not doing that, you know, <laughs> and, and I and I might even have it in their program. They might come to me and say, look, you know, my body just doesn't like that, and yeah. you know, I might even disagree with them to 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 a degree, but sometimes I go, you know what, okay, just just not do it, yeah, uh, and let's just pick the exercises that that you like, that make you feel good, um, you know, and that I know you. Let's take a few rehab boxes because normally at that age, yeah, they have a, quite a few rehab boxes. And um, those players then just become a little bit smarter about, about how they go about their business. Um, as you said, they, they do become the leaders in the group because I think it's a, combination of, it's a combination of learning from their mistakes. And it's also a combination of maybe knowing that they're, they're coming towards a stage of the career where they don't have as many opportunities left. Mm. Uh, you know, and I think if, if you look at a any club GA dressing room, you see that you know that guy who's super passionate, you know, <laughs> probably played for the club since he was eight years of age or less. Yeah. And he knows he only has one or two chances left to, to get his hands on a on a medal. So they they do become the driving force. Um but I think it that's only a good thing. It's only a good thing if young lads have those players to look up to, you know, and look at those players and go, 
geez, you know, they're not killing themselves every session. They're not. They're just. They're doing it right, and they're smart about how they go about it. And yeah, they they were at, they were in the gym doing their rolling and mobility, having all before they arrived. Um, and that's you know, the young player doesn't have to do that. The older player does have to do that. Yeah, <laughs> but again, they they become leaders through their actions, and they become leaders hopefully through their words as well. If if they're that type of individual, not not everyone is that individual. Some yeah. Sit there and be quiet, and that's fine. If that's who they are, yeah. that's who they are. You know? Oh, dude, that that's absolutely incredible. I I love that. Like again, the honest approach, but you know, giving more of a a clear experience, insight to the whole thing. Uh, when you said, you know, one eye on the present, one eye in the future, like what I love the most about that is that you can relate back to like you know the the young fella that's in college that is nineteen, goes drinking twice a week, plays a blinder of a game on a Saturday or Sunday. But even during the week, he's a little bit more careless of Eris, sure, I'll be grand come the weekend. And, you know, you can kind of get away with it to a degree. But then once you fast track and you're 10 years down the line, you're 29, 30, you're like, okay, uh, I now wear a suit, you know, five out of seven days. And I'm pretty committed to my young family or whatever it may be. Yes, it's the same person, but completely different. Because when you're 19, you may not be able to see into the future. Whereas when you're 29, 30, you might be able to look back and go, was I really like that? <laughs> you know, that's something that I can look back on. Like when I was 19, 20, I was, I was out once or twice a week in college. And then come Friday night, I would go back home to play a senior game on a Saturday. And I was able to get away with it. But then the experienced people, you know, that are of the older ages is they would step back and they would, they would point the finger and tell you what to do. Like a good goalkeeper in a professional game of soccer. If they can see everything so they can tell you where to go. And just again, like, you know, that's where the good leaders are going to be able to do, but also lead is they don't have to do absolutely everything from the front line because they've proven themselves enough so that they now can say, Hey, I have the experience. I know what works best. And I also want to make sure that you're working with me and vice versa so that we as a team of individuals can get the best result. Like if they're slowly, in some cases, you know, they're slowly starting to retract, they're also leading at a higher level. Like, is that, uh, am I right in saying that? (laughs) No, you are, you are. I think, you know, for for a lot of those athletes, and I I can think of a few in my head specifically that they they love what they do so much that they they don't want, you know, as I said, they time their week out, like their week is scheduled to a T because, they know what they have to do to get themselves right. Yeah. And they would never say that they are not giving a hundred percent commitment. And and if they feel they aren't, if they feel that they have to sacrifice a little bit of it, it frustrates them and you know, it gets to them and they, they come to you and they, they figure out ways, you know, I, I've I've had athletes, um, you know, I remember one one girl who was injured and rang me one morning at like half five in the morning because she, she knew I was up because I was getting up to take a session with some other players later on that morning and she rang me and she's like can you open the building for me to get on a walkway <laughs> and i was like what and she goes well i know there's other girls running this morning so if they're running i'm, I'm training and i'm on the bike and, and you know and that's the only time she could fit it in her day and i yeah. i told her to go back to bed but she was she said no way she, she was going <laughs> so i opened the building for her but i think what, what you're saying you know similarly is that they're, they're smart enough to pull back a little bit as well and I think what they learn is, and it takes time to learn, is that when they get to a certain age, you know, and we all go through this, even as coaches, they realize that it's not, rugby is not their whole life. Yeah. You know, it's it's a huge, huge part of it, and it's an important part of it. But, you know, rugby or football or hurling or golf, whatever you play, it doesn't define you as a person. And mm-hmm. I, I think everyone goes through a phase where, you know, I know I went through the phase of, coaching was like all I am you know and and suddenly you start posting all your you know everything your, your Instagram turns to a coaching profile instead of a instead of a personal profile and and yeah. like, you know that's fine if you have a business obviously you have a business page but you know these people who kind of whole identity gets wrapped up in what they do um I think the older players realize that's not the case and it's something yeah. I wish other younger players would would realize along the way it doesn't mean your commitment falls away it doesn't mean you're not you know fully believing in everything you do but maybe it allows you to take a step back when things go bad that you can say well you know i'm still a good person 
hopefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, know, no, no. Uh, you, your whole identity doesn't get wrapped up in, in your performance all the time. Yeah, because that is something that I'm guilty of. And I get to say that to all of my clients is like, you know, you feel like a part of you is missing because you can go, you know, all out. You can fire from all cylinders, but that's the part of you that's missing and you just can't quite get it back. Just like you said, you know, that identity, which you've attached too much to, and you're not really thinking about the future in some cases. And I think it's a huge part, again, like I was hugely guilty of that, is, you know, you're solely committed to the sport and solely committed to the development um, as a coach or, you know, as a fellow teammate player. Like, don't forget to think about the future as well to some degree. Like, I, I just love, again, you know, you're able to say that and relate to it. It's like, yeah, we are all at some stage that person that has grown up in the club since they were six, played for the last 40 years. And, you know, it's like, here, Derek, sorry, bud, but will you just get ready to move on? Your body is broken. Your wife and kids are calling for you. You know, be real about this. <laughs> yeah, look, look, and you know, the passion is good. Don't get me wrong. You know, if, I, if yeah. we go away and have a bad tournament, I'm probably not sleeping that night. You know what I mean? And I'm, mm. I'm probably in a bad mood for a few days. And, and that's, you know, that, that's the way it goes. You know, like, uh, I think we uh, we lost a big, a club lost a big hurling game there around the year. And, you know, I went away and I was in foul form for about two or three days. And that's, that's normal. That shows you care, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, one coach said it to me actually one time when the when the guys in the club in the hurling club said to me like, I couldn't, I was wrecked tired. And I said, I don't know why I'm so tired. And it's been a couple of stressful days at work. And he said, because you know, because you care. That's yeah. why you're tired because you, you care about what you do. But at the same time, you need that that balance to go. Mm. I have other interests. I have other things that can switch off from my sport because if my whole identity is involved in that sport. And then, you know, if I, if I lose four or five in a row, <laughs> Jesus, I'm going to be in a bad mood for months. Uh, it's, it is a uh, tricky one. The older, uh. the older player does it with and finding the balance, I think, between the sport and, and having that ability to, to switch off a little bit. Yeah, no, dude, that, that's class. And like, again, I'm so, so guilty of this. When you want to wear your coaching hat 24-7, it can carry over into your personal life. You can forget to unwind, to recharge the batteries, to read a book. Or, you know, just go for a couple of beers with your mates and stuff like those things. They make you as a person, not just the sport. And I, I think that's a huge thing as well, especially as a coach. You cannot wear your coaching hat 24-7 because if you are, like you're not relaxing. You're not pulling yourself out of it. You're not recharging you as a human being. You're just a coach, like a robot. And I don't think anybody will really respond to that too well all the time because you kind of forget your human instinct. If you... Like as an athlete, if you're going to see that your coach is just a coach, it's it's a little bit harder to uh, you know build a better understanding relationship with them. But um, no, dude, I I really really like that one, um, and I love it so much. Again, the human side of it and learning to realize what makes up you as an individual. It's not just one thing. So like over the past couple of years as well, like what have you noticed to be the most difficult thing or challenging thing? working with pros as a coach so just like we said at the start you're still pretty young you come in like what has been the most challenging thing over the years probably a uh it's probably probably obviously there's probably a few challenges along the way <laughs> i think you know as a young coach when, when you start to get to a certain level um you know like when i started working with the rfu i probably you go into a setting where you, you probably expect you, you've come across players who are, who are top class rugby players and you probably expect them to do everything perfect you know and, and, and so when you when you go in there initially you think that like well what do they normally do because obviously they, you know they've accomplished so much and they've got to this level that they're going to be they're going to be on the ball and then sometimes you realize no they're not they're just they just happen to be brilliant at rugby <laughs> you know or, or, or whatever their sport is their actual behaviors or their habits in terms of around athletic performance, they're not as good as they could be. Um, so that, that's a learning curve. And then learning how to have those conversations because you, you're going to have players who have been playing their sport since they're, you know, again, since they're probably eight years of age. We're playing at a high level for the last five, six, maybe 10 years. And seven is, again, most of the athletes are young. But, you know, if you could go into work with a province or a national team where someone could be there for 15 years. And, and they're going to have a pretty definitive mindset around what they're doing. 
so having those conversations with them can be can be tough um but then you know especially when we're young athletes you, you get guys who don't want to do it you know as i said you, amateur athletes who are unbelievable in terms of their prep and what they want and trying to put them back but, but similarly you're going to get a couple of pros who, who don't want to do anything extra who want to turn up five minutes beforehand you know roll out or stretch out and start training and then when training's over they you know they might have a shake and go home and you're trying to get those guys into do extra mobility or extra rehab or food sessions or whatever it is and um they're just not going to listen to you um well sorry you know they're no i know i know what you mean yeah and, uh. and that's where you know i suppose you talked earlier on about trying to convince athletes to play the long game mm. that's where as a coach you got to play the long game as well yeah <laughs> um i can think of one athlete you know in my head that he's work with in the gym has just gone through the roof this past year and uh, I would never say he was a lazy worker but again he, he wasn't he was a good worker but he probably does the basics and does the bare minimum versus you know suddenly he starts doing loads more and you can see him really working his way up the ladder then in terms of within the team so um, pros aren't perfect I suppose it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a learning curve but they are going to have a more defined thinking around what they like to do mm. um, so finding the finding a way to to educate them and, and get them to see your point of view um or for you to work together really to come to a joint yeah just on, on what, what you can do to get better it can be, can be quite a challenge yeah like, i i think that is again and i think we mentioned this a few minutes ago is like as a coach it is your duty and obligation to get your athletes get your clients to the best level but if the, the breakdown is is the, essentially the communication, then you need to work on that. So you need to be able to say, hey, look, you may be in your set ways, but I know what's best for you, and I want to make sure to accommodate that. So two of us are going to work like a jigsaw that will fit together. Because mm-hmm. if I'm not getting you better, then I'm failing you. And that is not what I'm... I, I'm not showing up to fail. You know, yeah, so. I, you know, I've gone about it the wrong way as well in the past. I've, I've gone in and said, well, this is the way we're doing it. You know, and because and, I know best and this is, what uh, I, this is what I read yesterday and it's probably changed my mind, you know. <laughs> and I've, I've done that. And then you, you said there, you eventually realize that it's a jigsaw. you got to say, well, this is what I'd like to see you do, but you know, I want to do I want to do A, you want to do C. Hopefully we can settle on B and, and yeah i've done this before like when i said to clients here this is your meal plan stick with it and like, no absolutely not and you know you can nearly go down the forceful route of saying just like you said you may have done but i know fine rightly right hand in the air like i'm guilty of this is do this because i know what's best for you and they say you don't understand me you don't know what i do outside of this sport so why should i listen to you and on top of it up yours for telling me what to do like it's a very difficult one, but like people, people respond best to people. And what I've seen like just over the years as well is if you can be a leader, but also if you can be charismatic, energetic, all of the above, but you need to be able to empathize as well. So to be able to say to somebody, Hey, I know what it's like. I want you to understand that it's my best interest to help you. So can we work together? Like, and I think that's a, that's a huge learning curve that I picked up on over the years is, yeah, the coaching accolades, the letters after your name, as great as they may look on a CV, it's not the personality. So if you have the personality to, that can bring a player to a 10 out of 10, then you're doing an incredible job. Uh, like, man, that's a, that's, that's a huge thing to get people to understand is it's not just the coaching ability, like the programming, it's the person. Like people buy into people. Uh, I love, love the context that you just give them with all of that as well. So like, just in that same, uh, in light of that answer, like, could you say, like, could you tell us what have you learned from working with pros, either personally or professionally? So what has been the biggest, you know, when everybody stops and they look back and go, oh shit, that was a big learning curve for me. Like, what would it be for you in, you know, with your level of experience, what have you learned from working with pros, either personally or professionally? Uh, I lost you there. Sorry, man. I just lost you there. Oh, sorry. My internet connection is pretty scattered at the moment. Sorry. Um, so, just what have you learned uh, from working with pros, either personally or professionally? So, like, 
uh, breakdown of communication, the energy exchange that you need to bring in, um, you know, in the gym sessions, like the two hours back to back, like, you know, what, what has been the biggest thing that you've learned? Um, yeah, there's, there's always been a lot of learning curves uh, <laughs> along the way. And, and uh, sometimes I, I look back and I cringe. Um, but, you know, not even necessarily my programming or anything like that. Your programming will always evolve and, and how, you, how you train athletes will always evolve more around my own interaction with athletes and, and, and um, how I went about that side of it. And it's probably been the biggest learning curve. I think, you know, one thing with pros is communication has to be clear. And when it starts to get, you know, muddled a little bit and, and the picture isn't clear, um, that's, where, that's where things start to go wrong. And there has to be a, a good dynamic there. And, you know, I, I've, I've been guilty myself of, of maybe sighing and saying, you know what, we're doing everything well here. Um, and maybe neglected to look at the perception that the players were seeing. So, you know, and I look back on some things and I still say, you know what, how we went about it was right. But actually, the players didn't know what we were trying to achieve. So if the players didn't know what we were trying to achieve, it didn't matter if it was the perfect program because, you know, they didn't understand why we were doing it. And, and players want to know why you're doing something. Mm. Um, so that communication side of it, um, it is very important. You know, like something as small as starting a gym session with a two-minute intro or a session. And even if it's a four-week block and they've done this session three times already with week four, you know, they don't need to hear about it. I'm not going to tell them how, how I want them to squat, but just a very quick recap of, of what we're doing here, just to set a tone can be, can be quite important. Mm. Uh, if I'm introducing new exercises and new methods, again, explaining to them you know, why I want to do it. Um, I recently tested it, players actually, on a, on a new format, new, new style of testing, power testing. And I was trying to explain to players why I was doing it. Mm. And then one of the players just said, just put up the results. <laughs> and I, went, I looked at them all and I said, Are you sure? Because obviously some lads, you know, were really good and some lads weren't weren't that good. Yeah. And I said, Yeah, yeah, put up the results. So I said, okay. So I just put the results up on the screen and the buy-in that created straight away because they were slagging each other. <laughs> you know, I got, look at you, you're useless, you're on the bottom, and you know, and all this kind of thing. And again, it just it was such a simple thing for me to go, oh, why didn't I just do that from the start? Yeah. Uh, that that kind of <laughs> Clarity, and so when I look back, say over the last four or five years, my ability to be more clear and what I what I want out of sessions still not perfect, um, but it has come a long way. My ability to, I think, as well, just to coach, really. I mean, just to just to take command of a group and say this this is what we're doing. Um, I think that's that's what professional players want. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you're a dictator. It doesn't mean you're bossing them around. You know, they you need to be able to take the piss out of them, and they need to be able to take the piss out of you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, like re- recently, I had to wear a suit to work for a day because I, the player said, player said I was late to a session. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Not like I wasn't. They, you know, they want me to get me, so they got me. Um, so you know, that ability to to kind of toe the line, I think, between you know, um, you know, telling them what to do and then. To, to control the group versus mm. to have a laugh and, and let them enjoy sessions. Uh, yeah. Just, just organization. You know, it's probably something we take for granted in such a, in such a busy program. Um, but to run the program as we do takes a lot of organization. And, yeah. You know, it's just that five minutes at the start of the day where you sit down and you, you map out your day um, and you make sure you've got everything prepped that you need to prep. Um, you know, and every now and then something falls through the through the cracks. You just got to make sure that what does is, is something small and, and not something big. Um, but it's professional sport. I find is a it's a really really good environment. Some people don't like it. Um, I like it. It's structured. It's busy. It, it can be stressful. Um, you know, it, it can be. There can be times where you just think, man, would it be just easier if I <laughs> I don't know, working in a local gym or something. Not that that's not stressful, but um, you know, it's it's an enjoyable atmosphere to work in. Um, mm. And I think you got to just trust in the process. You know, I always remember going into 
the women's world cup a few years ago and kind of two pieces of advice i got were just one was trust the process you you put things in place and so it's hard maybe when you run out in the stadium and you know there's thousands in the stand screaming and shouting and maybe you're down a couple of tries it's very easy to panic you just got to trust in what brought you there and the other thing is just to breathe um martin kennedy who's the RFU always remember telling me that when I hit the World Cup was just to, just to breathe. It, it can be quite a stressful environment, and even any day of training can be, you know, and that's that goes for anything. It goes for a club sitting on a Tuesday night. You at the, in the heart of even the moment, it can be stressful. So if you're asked a question or you you know you're challenged with something, rather than just snapping back, mm-hmm. take a second, take a take a big deep breath in, think about it, and then answer the question. Yeah. I and hopefully that means you can have a um, a better relationship with that person then, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like um but I love the most about that is you just made me think of a quote that I came across two years ago. It's been around for years now obviously, but like you never rise to the occasion, you sink to your level of training. Mm-hmm. So and that's a case of like, yeah, it may be the equivalent to like a World Cup point. Like Johnny Wilkinson in, in two thousand and three, mm-hmm. the last minute drop goal like that popped up on Facebook for me last week, and I thought, "Wow, I was a kid when that happened." But I just now at 28, being able to stop and look back and go, "What the hell did he endure throughout his life to be able to do that last second of a game in a World Cup final, and to be able to ping it over the bar with his bad foot?" Like those kind of things to stop and to be able to go right. I'm not going to panic. I'm going to trust the process. So, but to be able to have trust in something or somebody is to know that they had their true best intentions to care. The link in that, all the way back to communication. How do you communicate with somebody? And I say this exactly as I mean to say it. You need to learn people. You don't need to find out or understand people. You need to learn people. And this is where like, I kind of go a little bit too far sometimes in like recognizing people's habits, their tone of voice, their body language, the simple little things that we're exposed to every single day. But the things that make you think as well, am I being challenged enough? So also just linking that back, like, yeah, you may have like 10 or 16 hour days. But one of the things, especially in your case, is like, you fucking love the challenge. And I think that is definitely something that we can agree on because like, when people say, oh, you know, and we've all got there, we all get the, you know, the one or two hours where you're thinking, fuck it, this is shit, I don't want to keep doing this. But, you know, it's to stop and recognize those are the challenges that make you, just like in the context of, you know, you lose a World Cup final, you might say, feck it, I'm retiring. You're only 24. You know, we need setbacks uh, to take step forwards. Like, um, again, this is something my coach said to me, like a breakdown equals breakthrough. You're only only ever going to improve if you take a step back the person that has the perfect week never learned anything and if you're coming out of the white belt white belt mentality so if you're saying i never learned i'm not a student anymore you're not a master because the master is still always a student as well i just i love to be the the way that you're just able to paint so much context around everything there i did absolutely phenomenal what you said there as well is crucial it's knowing the individual Mm. you know um it's knowing that, and that goes in every aspect of, of, of your training. You know, I, I've been hugely guilty in the past of not investing enough in a squad or, or maybe having, you know, you know, having multiple squads on the go and, you, and you, you're, you're putting a very kind of, you know, here's your basic plan, here's the structure. This is, I know this works, so let's just do this and not actually investing in the person or investing mm-hmm. in what they really want to get out of them. Um, and I, I've been I've been hugely guilty of that in the past, and it's knowing that person as well that you know if something goes wrong, and, and you know especially especially I find that a men's team, it can be that you know obviously there's that bit more ego and testosterone around sometimes, and you can have that argument with someone, you can have a straight up and you don't want to, you always want to avoid <laughs> it, you know. Um, but I've got it's happened where you have an, an argument with a player, and it gets a little bit more heated than you'd like it to get. Mm. that ability to press pause because you know that's not <laughs> move arms you don't want that to happen yeah. but also that listen I can say something to this guy and he can say it to me and in, in half an hour we can sit down and have lunch together because yeah. it's not, it's not going to happen you know, yeah. I got into players men and women over the years where we you know maybe stepped away privately 
had some pretty stern word, stern word, words towards each other, um, but then been okay and been fine the next day because mm. you know the individual. Yeah. <laughs> if you do, if, if, if it was someone I didn't know or maybe was new in the environment, I'm not going to be a skeleton. I'm going to find a way to be nice to them. Yeah. But you can be too nice as well. You, you got to be stern, but unless you know that individual, then it, it, doesn't, really, it doesn't matter. Uh, just that you said that there as well I remember doing this in pre-season last year with the rugby team and everybody is uh, I, I love what I love the most about pre-season is everybody's excited to see each other again mm-hmm. and I love that and you know they're having a laugh off each other <laughs> Fatty you put on an extra 10 kilos this summer you know let's see how you are running like yeah it may be subtly degrading but like I love the aspect that everybody's coming together to support each other but um, there was one drill we were doing last year. So we were working deceleration. Now, a lot of these guys have never, ever done deceleration. They just say, I need to be quick off the mark. And I said, right, well, you need to be able to slam the brakes a little bit faster as well. So there's 32 of them all standing in line. And I said, put your hand up if you're scared of me. There's three of them put their hand up. And I said, shut up. I said, what I want you to do is I want you to sprint 20 meters. You then have three meters to stop. If you do not stop, I'm going to shoulder charge you. Now, this is me saying it to people that are 20, 30 kilos yeah, heavier yeah. than me. I think there was, there was one of them bowled me over, but he bowled me over and I went back flat in my ass and they all started laughing. But it's, again, I was able to push each of them to get them to understand that I need you to stop. I don't want you to be scared of me. And do you know what? I just got flattened by one of the wingers and there goes my ego. Yeah. You know, those kind of things. But look, you know you need to also be able to step aside and have those stern words and go, right, you know, all of this aside, sometimes you need to be that nasty coach. Sometimes you need to be able to just say, look, cut the BS right now. This is what we need to do. I know you're capable of doing it. Can we just do it? And yes, you may have your heated arguments, but it's a case of working together to get through it. Like a jigsaw, if you have the two pieces separately, it's useless. As you put those two pieces together as much as you need to, it's going to, showcase that bigger picture which is getting the wins showing up consistently and then you know getting your name painted on the wall you know to stand the test of time and that's a work on for a lot of people it's a work on for me like that that kind of nastier side maybe nasty is the wrong word for it but that that sterner side is is, is not natural to everyone for some people it's natural it's, <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's not natural for me I'm, I'm a pretty laid-back kind of guy and i'm pretty chill out most of the time and like you know i nearly Sometimes it takes people a while because they always realize like I'm not I'm I'm quite motivated I'm quite yeah. dedicated to things and it's you know if we lose a game it, it does affect me you know but I I try and maintain as a coach try and maintain that kind of equilibrium where you know the, the morning after we lose I'm not moping around you know because my job yeah. is to lift everyone um but that that kind of sterner side was a work on for me you know and it was it was a challenge put to me by some of my bosses to say look. You know, you've done really well here, 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 and here, but to take that next step up, this is what you need to improve at. And it doesn't mean you go around roaring at everybody, but it means when the time <laughs> is necessary, yeah, that you do it. So I think it's even from players, it can be, it can be quite good. But you know, as you always talk about, like life after sport, that has a huge carryover to other other areas. And because if the players are able to stand up in front of a team, you know, whether it's down your local club, you can stand up in front of thirty people and and give out when it's necessary um that transfers over into, into everything you do you know i think team settings team settings and sports settings have so much carry over to, to, to everything else you do um, mm. you know you can take hopefully for people listening to your show like you can take your lessons to learn from sport and apply them all in your everyday life after sport hugely hugely massive appreciation for that as well dude um like I, th- I think it's safe to say there's been a, excuse my lack of better terms, but I think there's been a shitload of valuable information in the past couple of minutes there. And again, I really, really appreciate you giving up your time on a Monday morning during a pandemic um, <laughs> to be able to kind of just share and express to other people that, yeah, we understand what it's like in your life after sport. We get that you have essentially lost a part of your identity, but giving all of the things that you just said and really reiterating as well the importance of being able to look on the future of you know your life outside of sport yeah you may temporarily lose a part of your identity but it's not the whole thing um and i think it's safe to say that 
we've taken a lot of information there. I'm really, really excited as well about sharing this one. So is there anything that um, you, know, you would like to say to people, like just if they are currently transitioning from the team sport or getting to that stage of, right, my rugby season or my hurling season is going to be over soon. Like, would you give them any advice to try and prepare for that? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I, I just think back to athletes. I suppose the way, the way I've worked with and, and who I've retired, um, you know, and maybe this is biased more towards the kind of professional um, arena. But the ones I've seen who transition the best are the ones who have something else to apply themselves into, whether that's a personal interest, a hobby, you know, keeping fit themselves. Or maybe it's just transitioning from you know playing to coaching, and and that could literally be coaching the under eights, or it could be coaching at a higher level. Um, but whether it's sport related or not, I think it, it's just something to funnel their time into. Um, so it, it's that ability to have some sort of plan after. I think that you know, the phase where you do nothing and you just spend time with family and friends is great and it's important because if you if you played sport to any degree, even a club setup that is that is run well. That means you sacrifice time with family, friends, kids if you haven't. So the transition, I think, from what I've seen, um, has been made easier by funneling it into something else. You know, I think that's if you go from you know probably like look, this situation is probably a, a small replicant of this because we've gone from having busy lives to suddenly loads of free time, and people are struggling with that. Right, it's a similar. It's a similar path going from playing sport. You're doing it, you know, four or five nights a week, or or the whole life of a professional. To losing that, it's a similar thing to maybe this kind of pandemic. So, mm. I think having something to, to schedule and fill in that fill in that void, no matter how small it is, probably eases that transition. I think that's awesome. Really, really appreciate that. And no doubt, there's going to be a lot of people when they're listening to this, they go, "Oh shit, this guy is talking sense. He's been there. He's bought the t-shirt, and he's actually able to tell me what I need to do." Um, in order to make sure that I'm most productive, clear, focused, and most importantly, again, is like to know and establish your identity as a person. You are a human. You're not just an athlete. Like one thing, one of my friends said to me a couple of years ago is, um, think of the play, or the person first, and then the athlete. And no doubt, you're taking the exact same approach, which is why you know you've been so successful to date, and you can stand over your work and express that to other people. Hey this is what I've done. I may not be right all the time, but I'm going to make sure that I'm going to show up with a 10 out of 10 effort to get you the very best performance that you deserve. And if we're going to have a blowout, we're going to have a blowout, but we're still going to recognize that I have my best intentions to help you. I think people really need to realize that is, you know, after their sport has finished, you may not have that person to tell you or to, to keep you right from wrong, but there are people out there that will care for you in the same manner. So they could be, family friends or maybe you need to hire your own coach whatever it may be but like there are very very similar traits and people from the team setting that can carry over into your personal life and i don't want to take up much more of your time because trust me i'm incredibly grateful that you've given up this time so far and again no doubt there's so much value being added uh, to so many listeners right now but um dude again thank you so so much i really appreciate you giving up your time and yeah if people want to reach out to you how are you about that or just to say thanks for yeah, the episode yeah. there's no issue there people, people can find the most easy one probably is twitter and uh, that people can find me on i think it's that uh Jack, which is something i probably set up when i was young and stupid <laughs> it's, still my, it's still my name but they can just look up at Larry on twitter um, and they'll find me there um, oh yeah i'm always happy to chat and uh, look th- thanks for you for coming on uh, for having me on sorry and um, you know i think I'd say it, I know it's, it's, you haven't asked me to say it, but I'd say it is that if the work you do is, is brilliant, I think it's, it's just an important area. And so, you know, guys who are you know, not playing anymore, it's very easy to get stuck into work and maybe lose a little bit of that kind of combative edge and that competitive edge. So, um, you know, I've, I've benefited from, from you giving me off the programs to follow and, <laughs> and, and run, put, push through. So, um, no, keep up the work and, and I'd recommend it to anyone so. oh, cheers yeah. to you I really really appreciate that just like you said it, as coaches it's your duty and obligation to make sure that people are getting the very best out of what they possibly can and you know if I'm able to do that to help you or to help other people 
it's just a little bit of satisfaction and gratification to be able to say, right, yes, I have impacted another person. I'm going to keep doing it at a higher level to show up. Like some days you're absolutely exhausted because you didn't sleep or you drank too much coffee. You know, you're on a dump. Like, you know, whatever it may be, you need to show up to give that athlete, to give that client the very best. So yeah, I really appreciate the kind words. Um, we're just going to keep doing exactly what we've been doing and we're going to make sure to impact so many more people. So, dude, thank you. I'm going to let you go. I really do appreciate giving up the time and no doubt I look forward to catching up with you so much more um, immediately once we get off this. Okay, so cheers, Ed. Really appreciate that. Thank you.